Welcome to the All People's Church podcast. We believe in loving God, strengthening families, and developing leaders. We are so excited for you to hear this life-changing message recorded live at one of our worship experiences. Remember to share and subscribe to this podcast and enjoy the message. We were actually supposed to start our, our Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday sermon series this week, but we have had such tremendous feedback regarding Think Again, our Developing a Healthy Mind sermon series that I decided to extend it for another week. And last week, Ranjeev was up here with me. He was leading worship today. But, you know, we, we, we had this format where we were kind of sitting and really lends itself to teaching. And so I asked Pastor Moses if he would, how many appreciate Pastor Moses? Yeah. <laughs> and clearly you could see that by my attire today that I'm, I'm bringing out my inner Pastor Moses, right? This is my, although the shoes, the shoes are my idea. But um, so we want to continue on this, on this journey and we want to land the plane this week. And this week I want to talk about principles. I want to talk about practices and we want to talk about power. You know, we began last week by talking about strongholds and we're going to, we're going to start there, but we're actually going to end talking about the strong man. So we're going to start with strongholds, going to end with the strong man. And so I want you to stand with me as I read three portions of scripture. And if you're not quick enough, it's okay that it'll be up on the screen. But I want us to read together. I want us to start where we talked about last week in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3. Listen to what Paul said. For though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we live a natural life. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons, everybody say weapons, of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That means our weapons are spiritual. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And then Paul said this to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. How many understand you're in a fight? He says, fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then finally, Philippians 2 and 12, I want you to see this part. He says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Listen to this, work out. Everybody say work out. Work out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now that, that word fear doesn't mean uh, the word to terrify, but it actually means reverence and honor. And so for a moment, let's just let us pray. Father, I thank you for the word your word in our hearts, the engrafted word of God this morning. I pray for those that are in the room. I pray for those that are watching online. I pray that our hearts, our minds, and our soul would be open. And Holy Spirit, you would cause us. You would cause us to hear what you would have us to hear, truth and knowledge. And we thank you, Lord, for truth in the inward parts. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, Amen. come on, greet a few people around you before you're seated. Just High five them, prop them, whatever it is that you do. Bless God. <laughs> Great to see you. Great to have you here. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yeah. Uh, great to see Blair and Tracy all the way from Aurelia. Um, wow. Of all, the, of all the mornings, I thought I wouldn't see you with the weather. It's today, but you, you, you define. Yeah. Bless you. Great to see you. Not that it's not good to see you, but uh, it's great to see y'all. How many were happy to see Christina on the worship team? Eh? <laughs> yeah. How many want to see more of Christina? <laughs> oh, Pastor. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome, Pastor Moses, will you? <laughs> And uh, Pastor Moses, Pinky, the Thank brain, is, uh, is with us. Mm -hmm. I, I want us to go to the first slide. I want, I want you to speak to this slide. And, and notice that we all have uh, some, some words up here, all that are starting with the, the letter P. But in particular, uh, probably on your right, on my left, I want you to notice that the word practices is sandwiched between principles and power and that it leads to peace. Mm. And so last week we began to talk about 
principles. Principles of what? Bringing down strongholds that are in our mind. In other words, fortified castles and ingrained uh, thought systems and patterns that have been with us a very long time. You know that if, if we allow these strongholds to be built, we eventually become prisoners. Right. And so Paul says we, we need a, a counter argument to tear down these, these strongholds. Now, I want to be clear. Just because you have negative thoughts doesn't mean you have a stronghold. A stronghold is something strong. It is something fortified. It has been there a very long time. Pastor Moses, right? And so we utilize principles. We practice principles to tear them down, to smash them. But when it comes to the strong man, when we talk comes to spiritual warfare, it's not just about principles. Now we need power. Come on. We need power of the Holy Spirit. So in both cases, we need to practice principle. We need to practice power. But Pastor Moses, we need to practice peace. Yeah, yeah, amen. Um, so how many of you know the scripture that, that we have access to peace that surpasses all understanding? How many know that's a good word? Hey, it's, a, it's an encouraging word. It's a building up word. Um, but, but sometimes what happens is growing up in, you know, in church or the Christian culture or singing songs or whatever, we, we kind of assume uh, that it's a peace that, that we'll just attain if we profess. Talk back to me if you can. Come on. Right? Um, so if I say, yes, I have the peace that surpasses understanding, then I have the peace that surpasses understanding. That's not always the case. This, this scripture is actually found in the book of Philippians. And if you read the Philippians, uh, the letter of Philippians, Paul is incredibly practical. Incredibly practical. And so there's a few things that he marries to peace. That, that is a prerequisite, actually that we don't often talk about. So in reality, uh, this piece is not something that I pray myself to. This piece is something that I think myself to. Come on, come on. You catch that? Come on. And so, and so Paul says, listen, there's a prerequisite to this piece. And so if you go in there, there's a beautiful list that Paul encourages believers to think on. He says, think on these things. Practice these things. Why, Paul? So then the piece. Then, the, so the, what's, the, what's the prerequisite? I think myself to the peace. Now, at some point, because it's a peace that surpasses understanding, at some point, the grace of God, someone say the grace of God. The grace of God. At some point, the grace of God comes in. Mm-hmm. At some point, when we begin to practice the right things, when we begin to think ourselves toward peace, at some point, the grace of God comes in, and then we experience the peace that surpasses understanding. You ever been in that moment where you're like, it doesn't make sense, like, If I look at my circumstances, if I look at the people surrounding me, I should not have this peace. But by the grace of God, I have a peace that surpasses understanding. So we think ourselves to this peace. So what does that mean about prayer, Pastor Mo? Does that make prayer obsolete? Does that make prayer irrelevant? Does that make prayer powerless? No. Here's what it does. It redefines prayer. See, see, if, if we need to think ourselves to peace, not just pray ourselves to peace, it must mean that prayer is far more intentional and strategic than we give credit to, than we think. So we, we think prayer is, okay, God, you know, God, you know my heart, you know my mind. God, I need this and I need that. Would you help me and would you bless this and would you? And then, and then, we, and then we leave and we go, I've prayed. But in reality, here's what Paul is saying. He's saying you have to marry the two. So when we pray, there's an intentionality and and strategy behind it, meaning my mind is engaged and it is moving me towards the the place I want my soul to be. You catch that? And so when we pray, Paul is saying, listen, you think yourself to, to, to peace, but here's how that redefines prayer. Prayer is intentional. Prayer is strategic. Prayer involves your thoughts. Mm. And you know, we, we have the Prince of Peace. Mm. Huh? Your king is the Prince of Peace. Come on now. And so it says to me that the Lord wants us to live in peace. That's right. But if you have strongholds, peace is going to be very difficult. Yeah. If you have demonic presence, the strong man in your life, peace is going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. And everything the enemy does and the world, how many, how many have noticed everything comes to rob your peace? Come on. Um, 
Yeah. And, and, and don't we talk about peace of mind? Right. Do you know what some people would give for some peace of mind? This is why, you know, we're, we're living now in an era of addiction because people are trying to find peace of mind from now. their problems, yeah. their issues and everything that is everything that is going on around them. And, you know, even the thoughts of will this COVID ever end? And now here comes another, you know, here comes another wave and all, and all the rest of it. People are looking for peace of mind, but we have the Prince of Peace. Come on. And so those of you that are taking that notes, um, here's some scriptures, Philippians 3, 15, Colossians 3 and 2, and also Philippians 4 and 7. So everybody say with me, practice. Practice. Do you know that you have to practice peace? Come on now. It's not something that is going to come to you naturally. You say, well, why not? If he's the Prince of Peace, why not? Because we already read that we're in a war. You actually have to labor. You actually have to fight to remain in the peace, to remain in the rest. Because the devil wants to unrest you uh, with, with, is that a word, unrest you, unsettle you with, with everything he can. And, and, you know, sometimes you're just having an amazing day yep. and then, you know, somebody will cut you off. Right. Uh, somebody will, you know, somebody will be in the supermarket in the express lineup that has more items than. Come on. Huh? Come on. <laughs> or somebody sent me a picture yesterday of. They, they, they had gone, I guess, to Tim Morton's to get a coffee and in the drive-thru and the person got out of the car to get their coffee at the counter in the of the window. Room. Like, left, <laughs> right there, right? You know, like, how I many know that'll just take your peace? But, but, my friends, listen, listen. God says to us that in our inheritance, we have peace for our family, peace for our lives, yeah. peace for our mind. And so it is something we need to practice. So how do we, how do we tear down these strongholds, Pastor Juan, what are some of the principles? What are some of the things we, we can do that are practical? And I want us to begin with the next slide, which is about truth and confrontation. Mm. Truth and confrontation. Can we go to that next slide? And Pastor Moses, take it from here. Yeah, I think, I think before we go to truth that, that confronts Pastor, I think we, sh- we should tackle self-talk. You want? Well, that's not what's on the slide, is it? Oh, self-talk? Yeah. All right, let's go to self-talk. <laughs> let's, let's tackle self-talk <laughs> because it, it kind of marries the think on these things, practice these things. Now, how many, how many of you talk to yourself? Mm. Some of you are lying. <laughs> how many, let's just be honest. You talk now. I'm not saying you talk to yourself out loud, although those people exist and they're a little weird. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but you talk to yourself in your mind. You have, you have conversations. You do something and you go, man, I shouldn't have done that. Or you do something and you go, I should have done this. And so you, you have self-talk, right? And so the self-talk principle is really for us to come to the place where we realize the importance of self-talk, both in a healthy way and in an unhealthy way. So how many know that not everything you think is actually good for you? Come on. Right? So, so not every thought I have actually benefits me. Not every thought I have helps me become more like Jesus. Hello? And so we have to get to the place, self-talk is incredibly important because we have to get to the place where we, where we tell ourselves, hey, listen, not every thought you're having is actually healthy, and so let's examine what you're thinking. Let's examine what you're thinking, and let's produce self-talk. Now, here's the beauty, okay, of telling yourself and giving yourself the permission to say, my thoughts are wrong. Here's the beauty. The beauty is the moment you tell yourself that your thoughts are wrong, you actually free yourself from becoming a prisoner of your thoughts. Mm. Hello? Come on. Right? So, so I, if, I, if I'm constantly thinking thoughts and I don't come to the conclusion and give myself permission that not everything I'm thinking about is actually good for me, I will always be enslaved to my thoughts. It's good. Because I'll never approach my thoughts with the assumption that, hey, I could actually be wrong. That this might not be good for me. Mm. And so I have to approach it with the assumption, hey, not every thought that I have is actually good for me. And so let's, let's self-talk. Let's talk about or let's think about what we're thinking about. Now, watch this. So we're talking about strongholds, right? And so here's, here's what Paul says. Paul says, we destroy strongholds. Now, Paul didn't say we destroy thoughts. Come on. So, so there's a difference between strongholds and thoughts. Paul says we destroy thoughts, but we bring into captivity, or we destroy strongholds, but we bring into captivity thoughts. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying the difference is 
Your mind has thoughts, and strongholds have your mind. That's the difference. Your mind has thoughts, but strongholds have your mind. So Paul says, destroy the strongholds. Tear them down. By the way, we don't cast out strongholds, we tear them down. Which means that there is an intentionality behind it. It's a little bit more hands-on than we think. So we destroy, we tear down strongholds, and then here's what we do with our thoughts. We bring them to obey Christ. Someone say obey. That word literally is listen. In, in the Old Testament, it's the word Shema. Remember Shema, O Israel, mm-hmm. hear, O Israel, listen, O Israel. That word literally means we take our thoughts and bring them to the place where they now listen to Christ. So what did Paul just say? Paul says, you don't listen to your thoughts. Your thoughts listen to Christ. Come on. That's the, come on, somebody. Yeah. That's the formula that Paul is giving. And so when it comes to self-talk, take your thoughts don't listen to them. Get them to listen to Christ. Yeah. And, and you know, my friends, th- think about it. If we're bringing thoughts into captivity and we're not destroying thoughts, that might mean that there are some dispositions and propensities that we have that may be with us a lifetime. Mm. We have this idea that, okay, I bring down that stronghold. It's never going to bother me again. Right. If it is an area of weakness for you, if yeah. it is an area that, uh, that you have been patterned in, most likely it is going to be a battle for you, yeah. maybe a, a lifetime. Sometimes God will ultimately deliver you. Sometimes it is, it is a, a thorn that, that is in your side. Is, but, but the idea is that it doesn't master you. You master it. You bring it under. So what are some of the, what are some of the ways? What are some of the biblical, practical ways that, that we have positive self-talk? Because how many understand when we're talking about self-talk, we're talking about stories, mm. That we tell ourselves stories about ourselves, about other people, right? I'm sure that Judas must have had a lot of self-talk before he ultimately delivered up the Lord Jesus Christ. He must have told himself stories about, well, this can't be the man, and he can't be Messiah, and it's okay to to sell him out for some money. There must have been self-talk, and there must have been stories that ultimately he believed. Mm. And here's the danger. The danger is if we believe our own stories, whether we create them, others create them in our mind, the devil creates them in our mind, ultimately we're going to be warped and we're going to be deceived. Come on. Come on. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, let, let me give you an example. Have you ever... You know, and I'm, I'm sure we all have these interpersonal issues where, you know, we, we, we argue with people, fight with people, we don't get along with people. And so what do we do? In order to make ourselves look like the hero, somebody has to be the villain. That's right. <laughs> and so we tell it, well, we're not going to be the villain. Right. So we tell ourselves a story about those people. Yeah. And eventually we begin to believe our stories. Yep. And we label even people. We, we say, well, that's a Jezebel, and that's an Absalom, and you know, they're full of the devil, and da-da-da-da-da, because we can never be wrong. It must be them. Right. But ultimately, our stories become a reality. reality yeah. This is why people isolate themselves many times. Why? Because they believe their stories. They believe they have to mm. protect themselves. So, biblically speaking, let me give you some. Number one, you need to learn how to prophesy over yourself. Come on. Never mind. Come on, somebody. Yeah. You need to learn... You need to learn how to prophesy this word. And, you know, you might have prophetic words of the Lord. Uh, you need to, to prophesy the promises of God and, and what God says about you versus what the enemy says or what you say about yourself. Number two, you need to speak the word of the Lord. You know, Pastor Moses, I have lived my Christian life based on the word of the Lord in that season. Are you going through something? Find the word of the Lord. What's the word of the Lord? It's the, it's the rhema. You know, when I was, I was speaking to this couple about their daughter, I, I remembered how my daughter Emily was in Sick Kids, and I remember how God gave me a word in that season out of the Psalms. He said to me, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And I remembered the name of the Lord, and one of the names was that he is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Well, I lived on that word. Yeah. I ate that word yeah. until my daughter was delivered and healed. And so you need to be speaking the word of the Lord. You need to be speaking what you really believe. And watch this, making sure that you get the word of God into your heart. Because how does the mouth speak out of the abundance of the heart? That's right. Yep. Have you ever said something and you go, I didn't mean that? Yes, you meant it. <laughs> and it's in your heart. You know, if you have a problem with swearing... It's in your heart. That's right. 
Because out of the so now we get the word of God and we get truth, right. which eventually we're going to come to this slide, right? If you let me go to that slide, um, here's the next. Here's the next one. Romans four seventeen. Speaking those things that are not as though they were. What's the preferred future? What has God said about your life? What God? What has God said about your destiny? That's the thing that you need to be professing. And by the way, this is not about mind over matter and or or, or positive thinking and po no no. This is based on the truth of God's word. Everybody say principles. Principles. And practicing principles of the word of God. Let's go to the next slide. Amen. That was good. Amen. Come on. Okay, so let's talk about truth that that confronts. Somebody say truth. How many know we need truth? Amen. Uh, Jesus, Jesus said this of the devil, that the devil is the father of lies. Meaning anytime, anytime that there are lies and, and, um, and, and, uh, and uh, I can't think of the word. And delusion and deceit, uh, thank you, in your life, it means that the origin of those things, actions, behaviors, and thoughts originate from the devil. Because he's the father of lies. Now here's what happens when we live a lifestyle of truth. Everything that we do originates, comes out of the Heavenly Father. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And so truth that confronts, here's the reality. We need truth to confront us because our thoughts are not as unbiased as we think. Come on. Do I have any real people in here? <laughs> the reality is your thoughts actually favor you. Good preaching, Pastor Mo. Your, your thoughts favor you. You're your favorite person to listen to. Yeah. You're, Right? And so what, what do you need? You need confrontation. You need to be confronted by the truth so that you could deal with the delusion and the lies that you have believed in your heart. Like you ever meet people and you know, man, like they're the problem? But for whatever reason, they don't know that they're the problem? But everyone else in the room knows they're the problem? So, so clearly there's, some, there's, there's, there's voices in their, in their mind that favor them. If Paul is talking about arguments, um, biased voices are, are voices that favor the argument. Come on. They favor the stronghold. They favor the, uh, uh, you know, the deceit and the lies. And so we need truth that confronts us. And even in this, even as we, as we have truth that confronts us, Paul, uh, I called you Paul. Pastor <laughs> Tony talked about the word of God, but how many know that you can read the word of God in a way that still favors you? Come on. Hello? So we have people in movements that have misused the word of God. And so here's what we need to do. In, in, in self-talk, in being confronted by the truth, we need to invite voices that are unbiased. Yes. And the greatest voice that we can invite is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said this of the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. That, 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 that means there's no circumstance that you require truth in that the Holy Spirit cannot give you. All truth. He leads us in, into all truth. And so we invite the Holy Spirit. Why? Because sometimes our biggest enemy is us. Yeah. We're our biggest problem sometimes. And sometimes we don't just need protection from the enemy, which we're going to talk about. Sometimes we need protection from ourselves. Yes. Because we set ourselves up in ways, come on somebody, right? The world, you, you call this self-sabotage. We, we do this. We tell ourselves these lies. And so we need truth to come in that can confront us. And we have this great experience or this great moment in the Bible where, where Peter, one of the greatest followers of Jesus, great leader, great, you know, um, individual. And he, he, Jesus asks them, hey, do you know who I am? Peter confesses, you're the Christ. You're the son of God. And Jesus goes, man, you got this from my father in heaven. This is incredible. Moments later... Jesus goes, listen, my assignment is to die. Peter rebukes Jesus. Hello? And so, and so Jesus looks at Peter and says, he doesn't call him Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. Satan. Now we're going to talk about there's a duality to it. There's a spirituality to it. And then there's the natural. And let's talk about the natural because we're going to talk about this, the spiritual in just a second. In the natural, the word Satan means adversary. Adversary. It means to come against the plans of God. Here's what Jesus just said. Your self-talk, if not confronted, is going to lead you away from what I'm trying to accomplish. It's mm, good. And so if we don't let truth confront the inner voice, 
confront our personality traits, which, by the way, are not godly. Mm. Go there, but we won't. We need truth to confront us so that we can see, man, we're living in, in a, a, a lie and God wants to bring us to transformation. Yep. And we need confrontation and to do that. Isn't it amazing, Pastor Moses? We're, we're living in a day, and we're online, so this is good. I'm gonna get some hate mail. We're, we're living in a day where truth is called hate. Come on. Have you noticed that? People don't wanna be confronted anymore. People don't wanna be corrected. They don't want the truth of God's word. And the moment you bring truth then that's going to be called hate. Mm. So they don't have to look at themselves and be accountable and be responsible for their behavior. Right. But Jesus came to say, listen, here's the truth. Here's the light. Here's what's on the side of darkness. But th that whole story with Peter started because Jesus asked a question and he said, who do people say that I am? Right. That's how it all started. Who do people say that I am? And my friends, listen, when we're talking about strongholds, there are a lot of false belief systems and doctrines. You know what the Bible calls them? Doctrines of demons. Yeah. Come on. Demons have a belief system and they are, they are hard at work teaching it to people. And sometimes many of God's people are actually following doctrines of demons. Wow. They don't even know it because they're, they're caught up in political correctness, in, in you know, noble causes, and this seems right, and that's not right, and, and, and we're going to change this, and we're going to change the world, and all the rest of it. And, and we don't understand that there are demons behind these movements. Mm. My friends, let me just help you. When, when you're going to attach yourself to a false belief system, just ask one question question. Who is Jesus to that movement? Mm, that's good. That's good. What do they think of Jesus? Just ask that question. And I guarantee you, some of you, even because of ethnicity, background, gender, you want to connect yourself with these causes. But, but in reality, you don't even understand that it's doctrines of demons that are, that are being taught. And so we need to learn how to be confronted. If you want to grow, if you want to be healthy and strong, surround yourself with people that have the courage to lovingly tell you and confront you when you're wrong. That's good. Hmm? Yeah. Peter was feeling like a big man. <laughs> Jesus, I'm, I'm going to protect you. I'm going yeah. I'm I'm to save you. Didn't understand that. The devil was speaking through him, but, but Jesus loved him enough. Jesus loved him enough to say, Peter, I'm going to tell you the truth. And, and you know, this is, actually, uh, this is actually Pastor Moses thought. I thought it was so powerful on the story that you didn't mention was that what G when he talked about the duality, what Jesus was, was doing for Peter was, was doing him a favor and really saying this, Peter, the next time you hear this voice, you will know that it's the adversary. That's right. I'm giving you a lifelong lesson. It's not a, it's not a moment in time. It's a lifelong lesson that every time you hear this voice, you see, once Jesus identifies those voices mm -hmm. for us, then we know, hey, this is the adversary. That's right. That's right. Wow. And that's a good way to look at confrontation, that it's not just us being corrected. It's also us being given clarity. Mm. And so that's what Jesus did for Peter. He didn't just correct Peter. He also gave Peter clarity that the next time this voice comes in your mind, you know who this is. Awesome. Let's go to our next point. Um, our next point is the bigger and better principle. Bigger and, this sounds like the new um, Big Mac commercial. I don't know if you've seen the new. I have no, not. Just, just me. Okay. All right. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I, bigger... guess, I guess you have. Yeah. <laughs> well, they talked about it with like bacon and it's bigger and it's better. Anyways. All right. Uh, the bigger and better uh, principle. Um, how many of you have ever seen like an individual, and I'll pick on the guys, uh, but there's this guy and he's kind of like, you know, he doesn't really dress well, he's kind of sloppy, doesn't really manage his finances all that great, but all of a sudden he meets a woman and, and you begin to see the changes in his life. Thank you for saying woman, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not women, uh, woman. He meets a woman, and all of a sudden, you begin to see the changes in his life. He begins, to, he begins to, you know, take care of himself, the way he looks, the way he smells, takes care of his finances. What has happened? This individual has just found something bigger and better than his previous lifestyle. Come on. And so, and so here's the principle. The principle is this, that you have to find something that you genuinely think. Someone say genuinely. Mm. You genuinely think this is bigger 
and better than what I'm currently facing. Yeah. It's bigger and better than my current thoughts. It's bigger and better than my current circumstances. Now, remember when Paul goes, he, he does this in, in, a, few, in a few areas. Uh, in one, he goes, you know, this light momentary affliction is not worth comparing to the weight of glory. Come on. And so for Paul, he says, he says, I look at this affliction I'm going through, but the weight of glory that's coming is bigger and it's better. Mm. Right? He says, he says, in my life, as I've gained knowledge of who Jesus is, everything else in comparison is done. It's good. That the knowledge of Christ is bigger and better than anything else that I could have gained in this world. And so even when he talks about strongholds, he says strongholds argue against the knowledge of God. Come on. And so for Paul, the knowledge of God is bigger and it's better than the stronghold. It's good. Right? Uh, we see this even in Moses. Let me read a scripture to you out of, uh, out of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, uh, 23 to 26, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden from, uh, for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, someone say by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So Moses says, me being with the people of God is bigger and better than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now watch in 20, verse 26, he says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater. Someone say greater. Come on. Greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Mm. Moses says, I, I've considered the treasures in Egypt. I've considered even the sinful pleasures in Egypt. But for me, the reproach of Christ is bigger and it's better. Now, it's here's good. the reality. You cannot fool yourself into thinking something is bigger and better. It's good. So you thought it was easy. That's, that's the reality. The reality is just because something is bigger and better does not mean that it's bigger and better for you. Mm. Hello? And so Paul says... The knowledge of God is, is bigger and is better than strongholds. But not everybody experiences that in their life. Why? Because they haven't come to the place where they actually treasure the knowledge of God greater and better than the strongholds. And so you know how the psalmist says God gives us the desires of our heart. You know, you can flip that and say, God, I want you to direct the desires of my heart. I want you to be the captain of the desires of my heart. So I know your knowledge and the knowledge of who you are and the knowledge of Christ is bigger and better, but I want to experience it. I want to feel it. I want to taste it. As the psalmist says, give me the desires and watch God usher you into a place where you're not just operating by principle, but you begin to operate by power because you've tasted his goodness. Yeah. And so that's become bigger and better for you. Yeah. Um, you know, we received a, an email from someone in Australia saying, you know, can Pastor Tony share more of his testimony? And uh, I want to give an example. I was speaking to someone actually this week about this. And as you were speaking, it reminded me, when I first came to Christ, we were born again in a Catholic church, charismatic movement in the 80s in Scarborough. And so being a teenager, um, the congregation was Italian. And so they figured, okay, why don't you go be with the young people? They put me in the in the youth group, they put me with the young people. It was in English, etc. And you know, Pastor Moses, I found out that, that they were just devils. <laughs> I'm not even gonna, I'm not even, they were devils. And I'm like, I, I just left a whole bunch of devils. Right. And if I want to be with devils, I'll go back out there. I've, I've come in here because I, I'm born again. I come treasure on. Christ. I, I thought I would have relationships here, but you guys are devils. And so I had to go into uh, can I say general population? I had to go into the Italian congregation, learn the Bible, learn how to pray, you know, learn how to speak, everything in Italian, which was very, very difficult to me. But because I treasured Christ, and I wasn't about to let those people who were clearly on a different journey than I was on now steal the very thing that I had come to find in Christ. And, and I thought I was going to find Christ among them. And I, I had to make a decision to take the narrow path. That, that if you treasure Christ and you have values and standards when you, when you take the high road, that sometimes it could be a lonely road. It, yep. it, it may cost you relationships. It may cost you partnerships. It may, it may cost you contracts. It may cost you whatever it costs you. You know what Paul said? Whatever it costs you, it's worth it. That's right. If you know Christ, come on, somebody, it's worth it. Yeah. Mm. 
Here's our last, here's our last slide. Yeah. Everybody ready? When we move from a stronghold into the strong man. Mm. Now we're, we're, we've been talking about principles on how to tear down these ideas, these thoughts, these imaginations that take us prisoner. So remember, we're in the castle and we're prisoners. When we're talking about a strong man, we're now talking about the warden of the prisoner of the prisoners moving in. Mm. A strong man is a demonic spirit, a demonic entity. Church, even when I, when I said to you, these false belief systems have spirits behind them. That's right. There, there, is, there is sinful behavior that is not just a simple, I stole a chocolate bar. We talked about this mm -hmm. on what was that about. But there is some sinful behavior that comes with spiritual forces behind you that literally, Jesus called it a strong man that it can take over your life. Yeah. In other words, you become a prisoner to demonic influences. That's right. Let me give you a little bit more of my testimony. I've shared this with you before. When I came to Christ, nobody had to teach me Ephesians 6 about spiritual warfare. I lived it from the dark side. I know what curses and spells and incantations and warlocks and, and all that, all that stuff is. I, I lived it. My family, I was born into it. Wow. We were both Roman Catholic and then we were, we were caught up in this spiritual satan. Now we didn't know it was satanic at the right. time until God delivered us. But watch this. Even when we came to Jesus, we love Jesus. We believe he could save us. We had to ask the question, but is he strong enough? Mm. Can he deal with our spiritual issues? Mm. Can he deal with the strong man? This is another level of bondage. And, and you know, Paul in Romans 6, he says this, to whom you yield your members, you will become a slave. In other words, it will become your master. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, this is a very, I, I didn't do it in the 9 a.m. I feel a liberty to do it now. I want you to hear this story. This is a true story. This is not hearsay. A pastor friend of mine who knows the individual told me this story, Pastor Mo. Because particularly in the area of sexuality, uh, you know, what we're living through today is not, I mean, we're making the sexual revolution of the 60s look like child's play. And you know, somebody even brought to my attention that, that through the school system, and there's a lot of good people in the school system, but there are a lot of people, I'm going to say it very clearly, that are anointed of the dark one. Mm. They have wicked and evil agendas, literally, to arouse a sexuality with, within these children at a very, very early age, and to open spiritual portals that bring in demon spirits. Okay? These are not just learned behaviors. These are, these are perverse, wicked practices. And the moment you say the truth, they just say, oh, you're hate, you're hate. Listen, listen, God is the God of love. This is why he gives you the truth, because he loves you. Mm. Yes. So this man, true story. He says he has these two women come visit him at night. But they're not women. The demon spirits. And they have sexual relations with this man. By his own mouth, he said, you know, the sex was amazing and what have you. Went on for a while. But see, eventually, the spirits broke their boundaries and it wasn't only at night. They would start visiting him at his workplace. He's in restaurants. He's, he's with family members. So think about it. These two entities that are coming on to you, ultimately they destroy his entire life, his business, his relationships. He's left with nothing. See what started, like what started as, hey, this is really pleasurable. This is a, this is a lot of fun. Hey, this is really cool. Becomes destruction. My friends, listen, don't play with the devil. Because he is a legalist. He, he is a squatter. The way the devil works and spirits work is if you give them permission, That's right. Come on. then they have a legal right to be there. So that even when the man would say to those spirits, you know, leave me alone. Get, you know, 
get lost. I don't want you here. He was powerless. You know why? Because they said, we have a permission slip to be here. You told us we could be here. We're in covenant. That's right. Pastor Moses, listen, when we get into covenant with demonic entities, there's only one person that can deliver you. That's, that's Jesus. There's a, a story. I want to go to Matthew 12, but there's a story in the New Testament, Pastor Moses, where in, in, in uh, Acts, the seven, seven brothers, seven brothers of Sceva, they were called. They, they saw the disciples casting out demons and they thought, oh, this looks like fun. And, and they began to try to cast out demons. And in one particular case, the, the demon said, because they said, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. You know what the demon said? Listen, Jesus we know, and, P, and, 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 and Paul we know, but who are you? The Bible says that the demon spirit that was in that human being jumped them, beat them up, send them home, bruised and cut. Yeah. But you see, when you know the name and the power of Jesus, Come on now. huh? And the devils look at the data bank and your name shows up. They don't listen to you because of you. They listen to you because of Jesus. Yes. Pastor Mom, I'm going to let you jump in here. But listen, listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 12. He said, if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? He said, if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, how, whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, listen, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. And my friends, listen, we have an overactivity of spiritual demonic forces that are happening on a daily basis. You even see them in children's programs. Now watch what he says in verse 29, or how can one enter a strong, a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house. So here's what Jesus is saying. In order to defeat the strong man, you don't, you don't, you don't cast him down, you cast him out. Right. But you need a stronger man. Come Jesus on, on. is the stronger man. Yeah. But in the very same chapter, Pastor Paul, let you jump in. He gives us a warning. He says, if you've been delivered, if the house is clean and it's garnished, yeah. it says that spirit leaves and he looks for rest and he can't find any. Then he comes back. Yeah. He looks at your house. He says, I like it. It's clean. It's garnished. He says he goes out, finds seven demons worse than himself. How many demons are there now? There's eight. Do you know that eight is the number of new beginnings? You know what Jesus said? The possession of that person wow. is complete. Pastor Mo. Wow. That was good. Um, I want to read you two, two uh, scriptures, and then we'll get to the checklist. Sure. <laughs> uh, 2 Corinthians 2.11. Um, it says, so that we would not be outwitted, outsmart, uh, whoo, by Satan. Come on. For we are not ignorant of his designs. I want to read you another scripture out of Ephesians 6, verse 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes Come on. of the devil. Someone say schemes. So here's the reality. If you don't have strategy, power becomes useless. The reason that the strong man was able to come back into the house is because there was no strategy of what to do now that he's gone. Mm. Hello? And so, and so we, we read a scripture like Ephesians 6 and we go, I'm going to put on the whole armor of God. And we think what it means is to just read the list and I've put it on. Not realizing that we actually have to go a little bit deeper. Mm. We have to let things take root. We have to strategize a little bit. Jesus. So that the power of God is not wasted. So, so when it comes to the schemes of de the devil, here's what I want to tell you. Because sometimes we think, the, we, sometimes pastor, we think it, uh, 
the resolution, the, the action that we're supposed to do is now we're supposed to go home, get into our prayer closet, and shout the paints off the wall. But that's not it. There, there has to be a strategy involved in how to live out the power that God has freely given to you. So here's what I want to tell you. That, that schemes are not defeated by swords. They're defeated by strategy. Come on, come on. Did you catch what I just said? Come on. Schemes are not defeated by swords. They're defeated by strategy. Paul says that the enemy comes to outsmart us. He comes with schemes. He comes with an agenda. He has his own strategy. And so what you and I need is a strategy that fights against the schemes of the devil. Mm. And part of that strategy invites in the power of God. Notice, there's, so, so you need divine assistance. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the resurrecting power, the same power that rose Christ from the grave. You have to believe that it's active and working in your life. But watch this, you have to set up strategy to give it access. Mm. Hello? Jesus. You Jesus. have to give it, you have to give, you have to have strategy to give it access. Now, now here's yeah. what you need to do. Yeah. Because God is very practical, even when it comes to his power. So, so there's a scripture, uh, Pastor, you talked about, you know, um, sexual covenants and belief systems. Yeah. Jesus is teaching the Sermon on the Mount and he says, listen, if you lust after an individual, you're guilty of committing adultery. Watch this. I thought you could only be guilty of adultery if you've covenanted. So, so Jesus is using covenant language mm. to talk about lust. Mm. Meaning, you think you just lusted after an individual. In your heart, you covenanted with them. Mm. Now you need strategy to break those covenants. Yeah. You need strategy to renounce those belief systems and you need to plead the blood of Jesus mm. so that the spirit of death can go over your house. Now in Exodus's instance, it was the spirit of death, but maybe in your life it's the spirit of lust. Mm. Maybe in your life it's the spirit of fear. Maybe in your life it's the spirit of rejection. But, but until you apply strategy and give way to God's power, and not go back, not make covenants you've renounced. Yeah. I've had to do this in my life, where I have had to verbally um, disconnect myself from covenants that I have made so that I can walk the freedom of Christ, so that I can live out the power of God. And I have to declare the blood of Jesus over my life yeah. and actually believe that it has the power to change. Yeah. That's good. So, how do they enter? How do these strong men enter? I'm going to get to the checklist, but let me, let me give you a few ways. Uh, sinful behavior, addict, addict, addictive behavior through fear, yep. through trauma, through abuse, uh, through the mind, through the eye gate. You know, we used to teach this little song to the children, be careful little eyes what you see. Come on, church. How many know that there are things that you see that you might never be able to wipe out of your mind. Right. Uh, the ear gate. I was, I was sharing, I was sharing earlier, uh, you know, you know that I love music and particularly young people, you know, you got those headphones going on all the time. You're, you're not even quite sure what you are listening to that, that there are doctrines of demons within lyrics, yeah. you know, I was telling Pastor Moses, you know, this, this one individual Canadian, uh, he did the Super Bowl uh, a couple of years ago. This, there's just something evil about this guy. I, I, every time I see his face, I see his album, I'm like, there's something evil about you, man. You are, you are caught up in something, yeah. right? And, and, and listen, my friends, listen, all, those of you that watch uh, uh, horror movies in particular, uh, movies with spirituality and, you know, witches and warlocks. And let, you know what, that, there's something in my spirit, Pastor, I just, my spirit just repels that stuff. I don't want, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to have it in any way, shape or form because it is a portal that can open you up. But you know, it can happen very innocently, you know, so um, I, I downloaded some songs. I, and I particularly like when people do covers of, of songs and I, I like it when they kind of do this jazzy version. And so I'm 
I'm listening to this song and all of a sudden, Emily, my daughter goes, dad, pastor, reverend doctor, what are you listening to? I said, oh, Emily. I said, I said, come and listen to this song. You know, they jazzed this song up. She goes, time out, bro. <laughs> She's like, do you know what they're saying in that song? And I was like, no, it's just this really cute beat. And she goes, no, 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 no. She goes, let me take you to the lyrics of the, and I was like mortified, you know? She's probably running around going, my father is listening, you know, to all, you know. But, but here's what they have proven scientifically. Listen to me, young people. Music enters the soul without being processed by the mind. You know, even in a movie, your mind is processing. Music gets into your soul and it bypasses the mind. Wow. Generational inheritance, curses, and literally being introduced to the demonic by others. So, final, final thought. Here's a checklist for you. It'll be in the notes. How do I know? How do I know if I have a strong man versus a stronghold? Now, will a strong man expose a stronghold and take advantage of it? Sure. But here's some of the questions. The adversity, remember the satanic. The adversity that I sense seems to have a spiritual power behind it. In other words, there's some force here. And worship team, you can get ready. Number two, I can feel an evil presence either around me or in me. Number three, I can't control myself when it comes to this area or behavior. Number four, I'm overwhelmed and powerless to fight back. In other words, no matter what I do, I feel bad, I feel sorry, I, I'm just powerless. I am constantly thinking about this thing, even to the point of torment. Number six, my character has changed. I am not the same person I want. Watch this. Sometimes when there is a demonic presence, people's features actually change. And then finally, there's strange and unexplained circumstances happening around me. I want us to stand together. The worship team is coming and they are, they are going to sing a battle song. I raise a hallelujah because we, we want you to leave this room today in complete victory. Those of you that are online in complete victory, you say, Pastor, can that happen? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Strongholds to be broken. The strong man to be cast out. You don't need to be living with that stuff. You don't need to be making covenants. And so before the worship team comes and sings, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare that the people of God are blessed. They're not cursed, Lord. They are blessed. I declare that they are under the blood of Jesus. They are surrounded by angels. Lord, I thank you that the Bible says a greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you that you are the stronger man. We thank you that you have authority and power. We thank you that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Every chain of slavery, every, every thought, every addiction, every inherited curse, every generational thing in the name of Jesus, we declare that we will be free from false belief systems and doctrines of demons. I pray that eyes have been enlightened and minds have been opened. And I declare the peace of Jesus. Church, I speak the peace of Christ in your mind, over your mind, around your mind. I declare the Prince of Peace to rule over you with love and righteousness. And I declare that you have the mind of Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.